0: Hello everyone, and welcome to That Was Genius. This is a funny history podcast by Tom Berry and Sam Datta, exploring little-known stories and corners of the past. We'll get to the history shortly, but first, a couple of minutes of what we ominously call quote, witty banter, highlights of our pre-recording chat, which usually ends up being mostly toilet humour.
1: Well, we went to some museums today, that was fun. Did you? Christ. Yeah, got on a bus. Oh, bloody hell. Went to a, a, a museum on paleontology
0: Did you? Wow Very
1: good There were big dinosaurs everywhere You'd
0: bloody hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah
1: And Ammonites
0: Oh, well, it's nice that the religious minorities feel like they can come out for the day as well Yeah There's a display of Mormons as well Yeah, lots of them <laughs> Mormons, Ammonites They've got them all <laughs> they,
1: got, they got
0: Lots of them, yeah Quakersaurus Rex Much like a T-Rex But vegetarian <laughs> Generally of a pleasant disposition
1: A very peaceful
0: creature Yeah Love porridge <laughs> eat porridge. <laughs>
1: That's combining two very conflicting um, <laughs>
0: Two very conflicting methodologies and personalities, isn't it, yes. <laughs> the nicest of religions with the most fearsome of uh, reptilian dinosaurs. That's true.
1: And yes, that's, that's what we did. That was incredibly good fun. And I've also been out foraging. It's that time of year. Oh. For going out and getting your blackberries and your wild apples. Oh,
0: blackberries! I thought you'd been rummaging through bushes for some long-lost pornography. Now the leaves are starting to drop. No, no. The, the pages th- are slowly beginning to shimmer through the uh, through the hawthorn.
1: Yeah, and they're usually best after the first frost. Um, a, a, a bush porn <laughs> mag. So You're going
0: to say the best after the first frot.
1: <laughs> Fr- frot? What a horrible word! I don't know what it is, but I've got an idea.
0: <laughs> yes. You seem to be reluctant to uh, start this podcast, Thomas. to get into the history. Are you still writing your notes?
1: I've got quite a lot of notes, actually, so oh, I think it's Christ. good that we get onto it. I had to, I had to wipe out some really rather amusing uh, tangents. <laughs> I had to
0: cull them from my notes. That's really the... very, very funny. Uh, good. Oh, good. Well, not good. Tragic. Tragic, uh, I'm sure. Um, well, lost. good. I'm glad you finished your sentence that way when saying, I just had to wipe. <laughs> my ass. Yes.
2: With a dishcloth <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> To get the little bits of win it off Oh <laughs> It was a bit of a mess But uh oh why Is my ring stinging
0: Oh, oh. My wife's been cleaning Oh, oh. The spice drawer again <laughs> She wiped the cayenne and the paprika up on this little manky dishcloth And then I took it to the toilet, shoved it round my ring (laughs) My eyes are wide, my palms are sweaty
1: I thought from sweaty you were going to go for spaghetti. I thought that was the obvious <laughs> one. No, we, we, we weren't going for the uh, for the
0: M and
1: M. yes, that is M and M, isn't it? My apologies. <laughs>
0: yes. Plagiarising. I'd <It's> <laughs> love the fact that if I'd said that, I would have gotten away with it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. I love
0: how your sense of cultural uh, cultural presence ends in around twelve eighty AD.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I know who Jason Donovan is. Twelve
0: eighty AD. <laughs> <laughs> Hello oh, and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom Hello And Sam, hello, discuss history stories on a theme each week We've been away for, well, all of August So uh, apologies audience if this is a slightly chaotic episode They tend to be for a couple of weeks after we've had a little sojourn As the patrons last week for our first episode back will know Funny episode though, excellent Michael Caine impressions <laughs>
1: Insert teaser here, go on Sam Consider it inserted
0: it, the American method involves quite simply pressing your tongue to the top of the palate of your mouth as you speak. Oh, yeah. Which I cried, Tom, and does nothing except give you an amazing Michael Caine impression.
2: <laughs> That's not what are we doing? This <laughs> is Michael Caine in a gift <laughs> mask. If <laughs> <Yeah,
0: yeah. laughs> <laughs> only you're supposed to suck the bloody dormant off. <laughs> My name is Michael Kane, mistress. And I would
1: like a good Italian job
2: tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just a hand job, but you've rubbed oregano in it with foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it out! Oh, good lord! Oh, that needs that needs clipping out and putting on social media as a "We're back." <laughs> uh, what's our topic this week, Tom? The topic is Italy. Italy week. It is Italy week.
1: Oh! Can't remember who suggested it, but we've have had countries in the past. I think we've done Scotland. We've we have. had Canada. Canada. Yeah, and we may have had France,
0: mate. No, have we done France? Have we had Australia. Have we done Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah the big budget. That was a big budget number where we got Nicole Kidman and um, what's his name? To, Hugh to Jackman. Hugh Jackman to turn up. That was a yeah. Didn't really work. Bit of a huge high budget <sighs> flop.
0: Sliding down an elephant's trunk into a giant fountain uh, with a hundred go-go dancers doesn't translate well into podcast no, form, does it?
1: Especially when we're the go-go dancers.
0: Yeah, well, quite. I mean all you could hear was an awkward splashing. How did you find this week, Tom? Uh, I found it quite difficult. Oddly, I did too. And I don't really know why. I think we're just out of practice because Italy, mad country, it should be a, a smorgasbord, a meze platter. Of the problem
1: is we've been we've done how many episodes? <laughs>
0: It's quite difficult not to repeat. Episode 121. It's quite
1: difficult not to repeat a topic. So we've done a lot of funny stuff from Italian history. We've
0: done coming up on 250 episodes, 250 stories in this podcast now, haven't we? Close to. So
1: I was just struggling with a little bit of innovation. But I have found something very, very good. Fair enough. So I was pleased. Midway through, going for something that was
0: (laughs) Good, good. Glad to hear it. I mean, I've gone for a, I've gone for a safe fallback this week. What's that then? Yeah. Well, we'll come on to oh, it. Was, it yeah, I,
1: yeah. Well, who's going first?
0: Yeah, you're going first, but I think you probably want to do some audience feedback unless you've forgotten to do forgotten it this week. I have
1: forgotten to do it this week. I don't think there has
0: been much... Oh, we'll just put up your, pull up your notes from last week when you tried to read it in the Patreon special. Uh,
1: lady from Australia who gave us a review on uh, iTunes, I think. I have never learned so much in such a truly stupid way. I love it. Thank you, lady from Australia. <laughs> that was very kind of you. Generous. Yeah. And um, I think that's the extent of it. Unless anything else has come up without me
0: realising. Wow. It's really glad you've missed this audience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is our one listener from Australia. Thank you very much. You know who <laughs> you are.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, you do. Uh, Right, crack on, Tom. Oh, it's me, isn't it? Um, So,
1: yes, originally this week, I was going to talk about prisoner of war escapes from Italian POW camps. However, Ah. midway through writing my research, I came up with something much more suitable for this podcast, which is Operation Mincemeat.
2: Which does sound a
1: little bit like an episode that Bob Mortimer would churn out on his
0: podcast it, it does, yes. Athletico mince.
1: Yeah, that's what it yes, that's athletico mince, isn't yes, it? Yes, that's
0: that's why. Um, I mean when we're talking mince meat, are we talking sweet mince meat, a la mince pie? Or are we talking savory mince meat as in minced meat? Or are we talking a beautiful combination of the two, Tom?
1: Oh yeah, I don't know. Quite frankly, Sam. I cut I couldn't work out why it was called mince meat. Oh well. That's not strictly true. I think when we go to explain um, what Operation Mincemeat was, I think you'll all have your own ideas as to why it was called Operation Mincemeat. But do you know in New Zealand, because it's the other side of the world and it's six months...
0: I've heard of New Zealand, yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's sort of six months behind. You know, they have Christmas in summer. If you go into a supermarket and ask for mincemeat, you just repeatedly get taken to the beef and lamb mince or pork mince. That's a good anecdote. So...
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like most of your New Zealand anecdotes, unfortunately, it'll somehow get lost in the <laughs> ether. Won't export properly.
1: Right up there with my anecdote about uh, hydroelectric power, which was a. Ooh, I've forgotten that treat. <laughs> oh, that was a little beaut. Um So, a bit of background. It's September 1943. This is now nothing to do with mincemeat, or well, it is to do with Operation Mincemeat. Let's start again. A bit, a bit of background. It's September 1943, in May, Rommel and the Axis forces had been given the good old-fashioned kick-up-the-arse in North Africa by Montgomery and the Allied forces, mostly British Yay. Commonwealth forces. Hurrah! Uh, yes. One of whom was my Sheffield-born granddad. I, I'll add there.
0: Uh, oh, I didn't realise Sheffield was in the Commonwealth.
1: It, it, it was, and it's in North Africa as well. Um,
0: yeah. Ah, uh, sorry, I thought you said Sheffield rather than Chef al-Eid. She- um, yes so we did the the, uh, the Libyan town what? yes <laughs> uh,
1: between May and September the Allies set their sights on conquering Italy there was a heavy bombing there was there was that's, that was quite Italian wasn't it there was a heavy <laughs> bombing
0: of our major cities and Sicily was taken there was a terrible bombing in our cities <laughs> <laughs> very heavy bombing <laughs> yes War is hell. (laughs) However, the enormous amount of anal sex made up (laughs) fight.
1: Anyway, um, the Sicily was taken after the success of Operation Husky. At this point, it became clear to the Italian king that the Italians were getting a spanking, so he was keen to dis- disassociate himself with Mussolini. You'd have thought he'd have tried to disassociate himself a little bit earlier. But anyway, Mussolini was overthrown <laughs> and placed under arrest and the Bandogoglio ba- <laughs> government was set up. It was one of those, not all three of them. That would have been a very confusing <laughs> title, would wouldn't a- it?
0: Very confusing, yeah. yes.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's the Chancellor of the Exchequer, who was Bagonglio, the premier was Badoglio, and uh, the home secretary was Bogoglio.
0: That's yes. the name. And the uh, and the small pooch that just did a shit on the lawn was Bad Dog Leo. Yeah. Yes. Um, at the time uh, of this, as you can tell, audience, I did warn you that it's going to take <laughs> us a little while to get back into the swing of this. <laughs>
1: At the same time as this announcement was made, the Allies landed in Italy, or what Churchill called the soft underbelly of the Axis. The main landing of Allied forces was in Salerno, that's Operation Avalanche. The two supporting landings in Calabria, which is Operation Baytown, and Taranto, Operation Slapstick, were also very important. The first two operations were very successful, but Operation, Slastic, Operation Slapstick,
2: Slapstick was
0: hindered. <laughs> <laughs> Stay, hold, hold. What did you
2: call hold, it, sorry? Hold,
1: hold. The first two operations were very successful, but Operation Slapstick was hindered by barrels of tar, boxes of feather, tootling cars honking loudly, and fields of banana skins. Okay.
0: <laughs> I didn't say okay, operation I'm glad you together story, Sam, if that's what Yes you, you did. <laughs> you absolutely no, did. I did not. It was a different time and certain phraseology was acceptable back then. But even so in all, well, yes, um, in all
1: seriousness, I have no idea why this operation was called Operation Slapstick. My research came up with nothing. All I know is that a, the Italian king, Emmanuel III, turned to Mussolini, whacked him around the head and said, oh, Well, uh, this is another fine mess you got us into. Did <laughs> you see that joke? <laughs> uh, no, I like that yeah. joke. Um, it is at this point in my notes that I had planned to start discussing the Italian POW escapes. Um, allied POWs are in a tricky position. Uh, well... POW escapes from Italian POWs. Um, They knew that the Allies were advancing, these prisoners of war, from the south, so was it best for them to wait until they were liberated or try to escape south to the Allied forces or even head north into the morally dubious, self-preserving, fence-sitting Toblerone land? Well, you'll you'll have to read about this yourselves, listeners, because I'm taking a step back to the invasion of Sicily now and discussing Operation Mincemeat, which was part of the wider Operation Barclay, which, in a nutshell, was a large disinformation-slash-deception campaign to make the Axis powers think that the Allies were planning to attack the European mainland through Greece and then the wider Balkans. In reality, as has already been discussed, the Allies were looking to open a second front in Sicily and Italy, which they did successfully. Oh, lots of uh-huh. history thus far. Might not-
0: lots of history, lo- lots of history. They're very good at tricking those crafty Germans, aren't they, the Allies? The
2: Germans, I think, are quite gullible.
0: They are, yes. I also
2: get the impression the more I. would lie? Lying is inefficient. <laughs> we do not have very much of humor. So if someone yes. says they are going to do something, we believe them. Why? Yes. But you say <laughs> one thing and do another. It is illogical. <laughs> it is not. It wastes time, it is inefficient. No, is it amusing. What is amusing <laughs> is someone having their trousers pulled down. This is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: It is even funnier if you let them know in advance that the trousers are about to be pulled down
2: so that everyone can prepare for the man thrill after. You will giggle now. Goebbels is showing his bones. <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah. And Himmler is showing his Goebbels. <laughs> Himmler, Himmler is showing his Rimmler. Wolf whistle <laughs> admiringly. <laughs> and Cock is showing it well. Anyway.
1: <laughs> I don't know if there was anyone called Cock high up in the Nazis. Anyway, in 1939, <laughs> is a German name, in 1939, a document called The Trout Memo was written by Rear Admiral John Godfrey of the Naval Intelligence Div- Division. His personal assistant was one Ian Fleming. Recognise the name?
0: Ah. Yes. yes. Was, uh, the character upon which Bo- Coughing Bob Fleming from hit 90s yeah. <laughs> sketch show The Fast Show exactly. was based on. Who also happened yes. to be
1: the famous author and creator of Bond. James Bond. In this memo, enemy deception is likened to fly fishing. You patiently dangle bait in front of the enemy, waiting until they take it. Nothing radical there. That's pretty much... That just sounds like deception, full stop. However...
0: It it does. There
1: is a specific reference to an idea whereby fake documents are placed on a corpse, and that corpse is placed somewhere where the fake documents are found by the enemy. Hmm. Operation Mincemeat. Mm. How tasteful how James Bond?
0: I wish that Ian Fleming had carried on with the fish metaphors and operation names that we use.
1: Yes, because it could have been...
0: Because I quite like Double O Kipper. Or James Bond. <laughs> that, that was a computer game that I had when I was a kid. It was, James it was on Bond. the
1: Amiga, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, Was it called Robocod? <laughs>
1: was there As a well? It had two names.
0: I think it was called Robocod. And there's something about James nice. Bond.
1: Nice. We never actually played it, but we were aware of its existence. Anyway, I had a joke here about we like the identities faked and not spared. Um anyway, uh, not a particularly good joke. Um, let's skip forward now to Operation Mincemeat in 1940. I didn't really give it much either, did I? I mean, I didn't really...
0: I think it was the delivery that spoiled it. <laughs>
1: it was, I didn't deliver it like I thought it was very funny. <laughs> no, no. I delivered it like I thought it was a bit of shit. Um, <laughs> let's skip forward now to Operation Mincemeat in 1943. The two masterminds of this operation were Charles Chumley and Ewan Montague. Yes, that's Chumley and Montague. Possibly the two most English private school names you're ever going to hear. Mm. They were aware, through British intelligence, of an incident in 1942 where a British aircraft carrying, amongst other people, a British man carrying important intelligence documents and a French
0: agent crashed in the sea. Hmm. He was carrying important documents and a French agent. I know. It's a question of frustration, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That's I why mean, the I French agent could it. have. <laughs> if the French agent had just stayed in his seat, the plane might not have tilted over and crashed. <laughs> very,
1: very small French agent.
0: Maybe it was, yes. May
1: not have fitted safely in the I seat. I am
0: Pierre Petit, <laughs>
2: le ah. pocket-sized agent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I slip between <laughs> the enemy lines and nobody
0: knows I'm here. And am yes. I will add in your gun pretending to be a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> and then you shoot me back to my
1: own side. <laughs> yes,
0: the Frenchman you shoot will pick me out of his chest <laughs> and return me to Charles de Gaulle. Where I will relay all the incredible things I have learned whilst sitting <laughs> in his turn safety. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <tea> perched <laughs> Perched on the edge of his ashtray whilst relaying all the incredible things I heard whilst strapped inside a large weapon on a German's crotch. <laughs> While I hid inside (laughs) Hitler's (laughs) socks and snuck bacon into his veggie burgers.
1: Anyway, um, in this instance, everyone died and the bodies were washed up on Spanish beaches. Despite Spain being (coughs) neutral, some of these (coughs) documents were recorded and passed to the Nazis before the bodies were returned to the British, and the British knew that this took place. So Chamley and Montague decided to replicate this, but with one big difference faked documents. (laughs) Ha ha, those clever Chamley and Montague. Faked Spain. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's gonna be quite an undertaking.
0: (laughs) No it's not, you just get a load of OAP British people, sit them on one of the few nice beaches on the (laughs) south coast.
1: (laughs) Have some Elvis impersonators. Give them all a pint of carling. Chip chops. Yeah. Basically, just go to the south coast of Britain and turn up the heat in. Pretty much. First things first, a corpse. Preferably someone who looks like an important intelligence agent, someone broad-chested, tall, strapping, and with a lovely comb over, strong jaw. How about Glindor Michael, a Welsh tramp who had died in King's Cross Station after consuming breadcrumbs laced with rat poison? A corpse that no one would claim. <laughs>
0: sounds sounds like officer material to me. Yes,
1: <laughs> exactly. A 34-year-old whose father had committed suicide when he was 15 and whose mother had died when he was 31. Nobody's oh, going to claim that right. corpse. Beggars can't be choosers. Bring the comedy. What is that? A beggar was chosen.
0: Ooh, yes. Make... <laughs> Still doesn't bring the comedy, does it? <laughs> Adding a philosophical aside... <laughs>
1: a sort of philosophical play on words yes um yes so they found the corpse of a ratty a ratty welshman um the body of michael was crowned into a fridge and kept chilled but not frozen i think i'm supposed to highlight that so i said it kept chilled but not frozen like shaken but not stirred but anyway yes. <laughs> um the corpse uh, didn't they said that the corpse didn't have any signs of being kept in cold storage when it was eventually going to be used Chumley and Montague were told to use it within three months or it would start to stink out the fridge, making the milk taste funny and start to smell faintly like the onion you only used half of and forgot to wrap in cling film.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Meanwhile, Chumley, there's going to be a lot of humour here. Related <laughs> there's, a re-
0: there's a reference that we can all get.
1: <laughs> there's going to be a lot of humour here, um, which is basically related to being nasty to a corpse. Sweet. That's basically it. Meanwhile, Chamley and Montague began work on all of the background information to really make this deceit believable. A fictitious officer was given a name, William Martin, and lots of documents were faked. A load of pocket litter, which is what the uh, MI5 called it, was also created, including a picture of loved one Pam, who was actually MI5 clerk Jean Leslie, and made up love letters too. Dear oh. rotting corpse of ratty Welsh tramp, not a day goes by where I do not think of you and your fetid kisses, those hugs where bits of your skin are left in my fur coat, and those moonlit walks—sorry, drags—through
0: Hyde Park. <laughs> Christ, I was also. I thought of you the other day as I sat at King's Cross Station. <laughs> I looked out for you, but you never came. <laughs> where are you, my love? Munching on some rat poison, <laughs> yes. like we used to. I threw some breadcrumbs for the pigeons (laughs) thought of you
1: there was also a letter from the bank demanding payment of an overdraft sorry my landlord has increased the rent on my fridge and a ticket stub for a theatre show oh I love West Side Story Michael isn't this your favourite song I feel (laughs) rotty oh so smelly I feel stinky and fusty and foul Amusingly, Chumley and Montague had problems creating an ID card for Michael or Martin because they needed a photo and the corpse, no matter how much makeup they put on it or how flattering the lighting or how good the Instagram filter, still looked very much like a corpse. (laughs) Fortunately, one Ronnie Reed of the MI5 struck a striking resemblance to the corpse. I'm not sure how Ronnie Reed would have felt (laughs) (laughs) when he was approached in the corridors of MI5, tapped surreptitiously on the shoulder and told... You look just like the rotting corpse of a Welsh tramp. Come with me. (laughs) The most important fake documents were those that were going to throw the Nazis off the scent of a planned invasion of Sicily and hint at an invasion of Greece instead. These were carefully Mm. written to make them believable. They were then placed in a briefcase that was chained to the corpse. This was for obvious reasons. They needed the body to be found with the briefcase. Huelva, off the southern Spanish coast, was chosen as the target location for dropping off the corpse. The tides here were said to be very favourable and should wash the corpse in the right direction. In addition, there was a German agent in the area who the British were confident would take the bait. Mm. The next issue was how to deliver the corpse to the correct location. Faking a plane crash, which was indeed the whole operation, that's what it was pretending had happened, was considered too risky. Firing the corpse from a circus cannon on the north coast of Africa was also considered too risky.
0: <laughs> Jeez. That was my drinks, Matt off the table
1: then there was the idea of shooting the corpse out of a submarine like a torpedo and also delivering it like a bouncing bomb aka the damn busters
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, there goes the arm <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a leg oh his head's falling off <laughs> and he's hit the dam <laughs> tramp busters <laughs> Uh, no, we're being silly. The corpse was to be released from a submarine. Uh, how's this how's this all fitting in with your with your ethics, Sam? Me repeatedly taking the piss out of misfortune unfortunate tramp who's... Uh- uh,
2: well,
0: you're not making my edit any easier. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you're not capable of stringing a sentence together is really only half the problem this week. <laughs>
1: Uh, The corpse was to be released from a submarine. This is where another chap connected to James Bond appears in this story. Charles Fraser Smith of the Ministry of Supply was apparently the inspiration for Q in the Bond books and films. Yes. He was asked to create a water tank for the corpse. Well, not a water tank, actually a tank for the corpse that would fit in the submarine. I imagine this was an operation that was kept very secret, so on a need-to-know basis on the submarine, you wouldn't want to be that sailor who took a wrong turn and encountered a corpse bobbing around in a fish tank. Um, in fact, the captain of the HMS Seraph told his crew they were dropping off a piece of top-secret meteorological equipment. Um, it also, the, the corpse also wasn't bobbing around in water. It was actually a tank filled with dry ice. Hmm. Yeah, very, very Paul Daniels. Um, anyway... The plan was signed off by Churchill himself and also Dwight Eisenhower, who was then the Allied military commander in the Mediterranean and obviously later president of the USA. Then on the 19th of April 1943, HMS Serap Serap, reached the target location and surfaced. All non-officers were told to stay below board and the officers released the corpse into the Mediterranean. Spanish fishermen discovered the corpse 11 days later. It was handed to the Spanish authorities and the British vice consul in Heuvel, Hazelden, was informed. Hervos (laughs) rancheros. However, however. Hazelden was in on the operation. Scripted and encrypted diplomatic cables were sent between the British figures involved, all in the knowledge that the Germans had broken the code and so they would be read. These cables made out that the British were desperate to get a hold of this briefcase. Uh, In the couple of weeks that followed, the Germans were desperately trying to persuade the Spaniards to let them see the documents, whilst the Spaniards were working around to returning the documents to the British. The Germans eventually got what they wanted and managed to pull the important papers from the briefcase without opening the briefcase. Quite a little no. trick that
0: uh, they f- Quite clever, like removing your pants without taking your trousers off.
1: <laughs> yeah, which comes in very useful on what occasion?
0: Uh, it happened in club, an episode of Mister Bean. <laughs> yeah, uh, or, or sharting at a club. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, wasn't that
0: a song? Uh, no, that was shitting in the moonlight.
1: Ah, I got you. Okay. Um,
0: my trousers are so warm; it feels so right. <laughs> I've had a fine, relaxing shite. <laughs>
1: Carry on. <laughs> uh, they photographed the papers, then put them back into the briefcase. When the British finally had the briefcase returned to them, forensic experts could tell that the documents had been read. On the 14th of <laughs> so May, they were
0: covered in cabbage, <laughs> <laughs> covered, covered sauerkraut. in sauerkraut. Yeah.
2: yeah
1: sauerkraut and ketchup from the frankfurters <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> the, the, stained with beer <laughs> the incredibly unprofessional German German <laughs> spies had <they'd> been using <laughs> this is the German intelligence agency we don't really give a shit <laughs> <laughs> we're all very fat and we like okay. eating burgers and hot sausages on the 14th of May
1: the British codebreakers at Bletchley Park intercepted messages that confirmed that the Germans had fallen for the ruse Hitler ordered that military resources be redeployed in anticipation of attack on Greece. This meant that when the Allied forces attacked Sicily, they quickly overran the island with minimal casualties and loss of equipment. Oh... Wizard Ruse Montague, they took the bait hook lying in sinker. I must say I feel jolly good. It was like the time we put itching powder in the socks of the Winchester College rugby team, then we left a corpse in their changing room. Or even that time at Oxford where we poured pepper in the Cambridge team's porridge before the boat race, and then left a corpse in
0: their
2: boat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's even better than that time that we went and played Eton at the wall game, and we left a corpse in their master's car
1: off the, it was actually the headmaster's corpse <laughs> yes, it was
2: <laughs>
0: but future prime minister david cameron fucked it
1: in the mouth <laughs> so all well. that war game does look like quite good fun doesn't it i've never actually seen it being played i'm not i'm surprised we haven't done that as a, I think we've alluded to that in one of the episodes You've maybe maybe mentioned it yes yeah, you can actually watch it being played online there are videos online yeah.
0: <laughs> on eurosport 6
1: <laughs> on transworld sports um, <laughs> yeah. Glindor Martin uh, is now buried in a grave in Huelva. He was buried with full military honours, and his story was made into a film in 1956 called *The Man Who Never Was*. Ooh,
0: Richard Burton played the breadcrumbs.
1: <laughs> um, it's been in many theatrical productions, including one that is currently playing at the Southwark Playhouse. Something I only discovered after writing my notes. I also then discovered. After writing my notes That it is currently being turned into a film Starring Colin Firth That is due to be released next year
0: well, I'd love to hear Colin Firth doing a Welsh accent
1: <laughs> Well when he, when he acts I quite frequently think he's a corpse So I think he'll be <laughs> wonderful for the part
0: <laughs> Beautiful
1: So it clearly is quite a well known story So I do apologise if, if any of our listeners Have already heard about it But I think it is a good one And it involves a corpse Being it- abused <laughs> It, it does What fun We've covered We've uh, talked about corpses On a number of occasions Haven't we In this podcast We have History, history.
0: tends to be History tends to be full of them Yes
1: Yeah uh, You've got the, the, the Cadaver Synod You've discussed Haven't you Yes
0: we have Yeah
1: I talked about that uh, that, uh, and that
0: was another Italian one American Circus cha- yeah, Exactly
1: That American Circus chap What's his name He had a really uh, McCurdy Errol Br- Elmer McCurdy, McCurdy. Yeah <laughs> So there's been a few corpses discussed
2: here in this podcast.
0: And <laughs> a few jokes which have died on their ass too. <laughs> More than a few.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a majority. A healthy majority. And sometimes
1: that's how we like them.
0: <laughs> it's how we roll. That is how we roll. Oh, that was interesting, Tom. Thank you. Had you heard of that before, by the way? No I, I had, but but it's a good story, well told. Okay, okay, jolly good. So I, I need to surprise you a bit more next week. Just appear. Just appear. Pop. We are actually we're seeing each other hopefully on Monday, aren't we?
1: Yeah, well, not like an affair. I mean, the way you said not that a th- little th- bit th- sexual, a little bit. Uh, well, we're, um, we're not am seeing I, am I, each
0: other like that. In the darkest recesses of my mind, it was. <laughs> I can't um, blame you. <laughs> to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> just charisma, animal animal magnetism.
0: <laughs> animal odour. Uh, when was the last time we actually saw each animal. other?
1: <laughs> just have dead animals in my pockets. Just,
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it was quite probably at my wedding. It was at your wedding. Was what year
1: was that? 1833. Oh. All those years ago. No, that was in 2014.
0: Crikey, O'Reilly.
1: I know, we haven't seen each other for seven, seven years. years. And yet we've been doing this podcast. I oh, know. Goodness knows Madness. how long.
0: Feels like seven years. Haven't seen
1: each other face to face. Have you had a nose job or anything like need to be warned about? Have you developed a sleepy eye? uh
0: no, I've grown a
1: beard. Yeah, well, you always sort of had a beard on and off, didn't you? <laughs> yes, she's,
0: she's she's called my darling wife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anything's hugely new. I'm just a lot older and more embittered than when we last met.
1: Crikey, I didn't think that was possible.
0: <laughs> well, likewise, it goes both ways. <laughs> Um, marvellous Tom very interesting
1: oh thank you very much <laughs> um,
0: well as, as you know I've got two go-to topics for this podcast one is Japanese folklore yeah. and one is very tiny countries in Italy <laughs> and guess which I'm falling back on this week tiny Italian cut city folklore konnichiwa <laughs> uh, no, no although I did try and look into um, Roman Japanese relations and it turns out there weren't any they didn't, I they almost, didn't know about I other. almost
1: went that way actually I almost went for uh, Italian explorers, a lot of Italian explorers, because of the, the city-states, Genoa, Venice, yeah. all these places. Um, yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I almost went that way.
0: Yeah, there's lots of interesting stuff, uh, none of which I did. I'm falling back on tiny countries and joining the esteemed ranks of uh, the Knights Hospitaller, the only country with no land except an office in Rome, and Tavolara, the smallest country in the world that was sort of semi-recognised as an Italian state. I'm now going to do... The genuinely properly a real country, the world's smallest republic, San Marino, and uh, as I said, this is a genuine proper bona fide country hidden just inland off the northeast coast of Italy. Yeah, it has an international football team. It does, and it won its first ever Olympic medals at the uh, Tokyo Games this year. Did really, it really? What for? They won. A, they won three medals: uh, silver and a bronze in shooting, and a bronze in wrestling. Very nice.
1: Yeah. So San Diego so
0: types are well They are, for gunning and fighting and, sh- and such, which um, is somewhat surprising, as yeah, we'll come on yeah. to.
1: <laughs> if, if they'll either shoot you, and if they haven't got a gun, they'll wrestle you. <laughs> do they top the charts when you take into account the population?
0: Um, the I don't charts.
1: Th- think
0: they
2: do. New Zealand often
1: does quite well, and Jamaica, don't they?
0: Yeah, I think Jamaica's possibly higher. Yeah, lots I don't of know, but actually, to be Jamaica. fair... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Helps them out a lot. Yes. Um, no, I don't know though. This year, it might have put them to the top. Actually, I don't know. I, I vaguely looked into it and then ran out of time. Because um, I did think that it was quite a remarkable haul. It would be the equivalent of uh, of, of Britain winning six thousand Olympic medals. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so it's a fully functioning republic, San Marino, with a population of around thirty thousand, uh, and it consists of a mountain, Mount Titan. Uh, which is around eight miles inland from the Adriatic coast. On the mountains, sits a couple of towns, a few fields, and some forests. And other than a very brief occupation in World War Two, which we'll come on to, uh, and a period of time when it was lumped in with the Papal States for literally no obvious reason whatsoever, it has remained independent for 1,720 years. Not since 1720. It's been independent for over 1,700 years. Wow. Uh, which makes it, if legends are to be believed, the world's oldest country that still exists in its original form. Uh, Mm. It was founded apparently... (laughs) Questionable claim. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is a questionable claim. But I think the thing is, loads of cities were founded a very long time ago, so a city-state only has to survive (laughs) and not be swallowed up by a bigger country to get the claim. Yeah. So so it was founded in 301 AD by a guy called uh, Saint Marinus, or just, Mar- just Marinus at the time. That's the name. Uh, because that would have, <laughs> yes, that would have been a blinding, blindingly fortunate nominative determinism if his parents had called him Saint Marinus. <laughs> and we now had to call him Saint Saint Marinus. Marinus, incidentally, just means from the sea. Uh, we've never had any other name from that, so that probably wasn't his proper name. Um, at any rate, he was a stonemason from Croatia and a Christian who apparently and fled amphibious. the earliest and amphibious (laughs) the world's only (laughs) gilded (laughs) stonemason difficult to hold a hammer when you've got very difficult to hold a hammer but (laughs) yes Um, however his restoration contract for the city of Atlantis was a real real (laughs) lucrative earner but anyway he was a stonemason from Croatia and a Christian who apparently fled the early stages of the Diocletian persecution uh, the very famous event where lots of Christians were thrown to lions and lots weren't by fleeing Croatia by sea to um, Italy, which is uh, not really a particularly effective way of escaping no, the yoke well, of the Roman Empire, go, but there yeah, you go. Into the lion's nest, yeah? In
1: lion's nest? Yeah. yeah.
0: Lion's den. <laughs> Crow's nest? Or so, anyway. So my understanding is that, despite being quite a lot physically closer to Diocletian himself, Christians in Italy generally at this point weren't quite so targeted as they were by governors in some other provinces um, until a few years later when the, the persecutions really he got gone into the swing of things. He uh, he preached around Italy for a few years before one of two things I happened to him.
1: He's really not trying to make himself inconspicuous, is no, he? No, no, he's really not, is he? he <laughs> a no big sign on his head saying, I'm a Christian.
0: Yeah, and one of the uh, one of his favourite um, sermons was to uh, escaped Christian slaves as well. Escaped slaves who converted to Christianity just to put the cherry on the cake. <laughs> you know, no bad thing, but it will certainly get the Romans' attention. Um, so... <laughs> It's just looking so, to be yeah. martyred, really, wasn't he? He really was. All he yes. wanted well, was martyred. <laughs> well, we'll come on to the fact. We'll come on to the, possibly the true reason why he uh, fled Croatia <laughs> in just a moment. He preached around Italy for a few years before one of two things happened. Firstly, he became so worried about all the evil in the world that he had to stop helping the needy and just become a hermit to get closer to God. So, option number one, the selfish option. Or secondly, <laughs> Tom, which might explain how he ended up in Italy, and of course. Far less likely. He was apparently approached one day by a woman in the street. Uh, Insane, of course, who claimed that he was her estranged husband who just upped and left one night. (laughs) And she'd sailed from Croatia and spent months trying to track him down, at which point he was so shaken by her insanity and outrageous claims (laughs) that she fled into the hills and became a hermit so she couldn't find him again. (laughs) The nagging. The nagging was that bad. (laughs) How many children are you claiming? I have nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Debt? What's all this about debt? Well, gambling debt? What are you talking about? Look at them. They look nothing like me. I mean, yes, oh, they've well, got, they got gills. mermaids' tails and gills. One of them is very scaly. But, yes, but that could be... They could be any half man, half (laughs) stonemason. Half mermaid, half stonemason. Either way, he found himself at the top of Mount Titan and hid out the worst of the Diocletian persecutions living in a small shack. Eventually, he was joined by dozens and hundreds of other Christians. Uh, And in early, well, in 301, he built a monastic community and declared it independent from the empire. Because it was up the side of. (laughs) Really not
1: making himself popular with the Romans, is he
0: here? No. Fortunately, because it was up the side of a ruddy mountain and uh, and refugees and roving bands of, of vagrants and vagabonds were not uncommon at that time mm, in the Roman Empire. Mm, mm, mm,
1: mm, mm. That's, a, that's a roaming band of <laughs> vagabonds.
0: <laughs> right. That would be a marching band of
2: vagabonds. Off we go, up the hill, up the hill. <laughs>
0: We're all tramps and marching up the hill You can smell us coming from a mile away A dead cat on a stick will guide the way
1: (laughs) None of us have got shoes without holes
0: (laughs) But we've got various lice in our holes (laughs) We're drinking whiskey from a paper bag Excuse me, mate can I have a fag? <laughs> <laughs> fag, by the way, cigarette in English slang. not a... Our American audience. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, Yes, eventually, the owner of the mountain converted to Christianity herself and gifted the land to the community. You how convenient um, as well. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. Not, um, not under duress at all. Uh, when, when he died Just in Freestyle. Turn 360... the fucking music down. Have the
1: mountain. <laughs> <laughs> stop, just stop the
0: bastard chanting. <laughs> None
1: of you got proper equipment. <laughs> None of you have got proper equipment. None of you can play the guitar. <laughs> You're just banging old shoes together.
0: <laughs> Cans that you found.
1: Cry out loud.
0: So so when he eventually died in 366 Marinus's last words were I leave you free from both men uh, rather cryptically which likely meant both the Roman emperor and the pope from whom Samarina has always considered itself fiercely independent it has never considered itself uh, a papal country and has never been a catholic country all through the middle ages it was not it did not have an official religion In all honesty, the history becomes a bit muddy for the next millennia, but the country is mentioned in official documents in 511 AD, which is after the fall of the Western Empire, and again in the 9th century, where it's recognised as a city-state. It was lumped in with the Papal States due to being ruled by the same dukes, uh, but as an independent territory, which the people of San Marino fiercely rejected uh, for the early part of the Middle Ages, largely because the dukes at that time were very unchristian despite being popes, (laughs) And, and largely because their mantra had been free from both men. But it finally declared its independence in 1291. And in 1541, the Papal States actually declared war on San Marino, the only proper war it's ever had. But the the Papal States army got lost trying to find it and just gave up, which to this day is celebrated as the country's greatest military achievement.
1: Being so small that nobody could find them.
0: Yeah, being so small that the enemy got lost in the fog trying to find their way up. Um, And it seems that pretty much until the 19th century, no one really bothered it again, because why would you bother? San Marino stayed neutral, and because they were generally very friendly and nice to everyone and didn't stir the pot too much, their protection was ensured by the Papal States eventually and later by Napoleon, and then Italy, uh, once Italy became a country. Interestingly, because San Marino is landlocked and totally dependent on Italy for its economy, they have some really bizarre trade rules which exist to this day which ban San Marino from producing certain goods. It can't grow tobacco, and it can't, I read somewhere, make pesto, They also have to use the euro. (laughs) I don't know why. They also have to use the euro despite not being part of the EU. So they're the only non-EU country to use the euro. Um, Although they do still mint their own gold coins called the scudo, which are worth thirty-seven and a half euros each and are uh, completely legal tender in the country. Why the odd figure? So why thirty-seven and a half? I think it's its weighting. Gold, because it's a gold coin. It's on the gold standard, uh, but it's vaguely tied into the... I don't really know. It's some weird crossover of fiat currency and the gold standard. Okay. I, I didn't look that much into it. But I think it's at a fixed rate, but they're only allowed to make so many. Sounds tourists basically. So in compensation for uh, not allowing it to grow tobacco or pesto uh, from the famous pesto trees, Italy <laughs> provides San Marino with an annual stipend of 250 tonnes of salt... <laughs> It's quite a lot for 30,000 people. 40 tonnes of tobacco, 20 tonnes of cigarettes and as many matches as they can use. That's written into law, Tom, as many matches as you can use. Have they put it to... Have they
1: they ever tested it?
0: Have they tested... Yeah, it's the only country built entirely from matchsticks. (laughs) They've got some beautiful sculptures. Beautiful matchstick boats, matchstick... A giant matchstick, a single finger being held up towards Rome. (laughs) Um, So that's nice. I'm not sure what happens to the pesto, though, whether they have to smuggle it across the board or not. Other than economic agreements, San Marino is very strictly neutral. In fact, the only time San Marino strayed away from its neutrality was to enter into a political alliance with the USA in 1861. Um, In return for (laughs) pesto. Well, it gets stranger than that, almost. (laughs) So they wrote a letter, San Marino wrote an official letter to the US in 1861 offering an alliance in return for offering honorary citizenship to Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) The terms of the alliance aren't really very clear because no one in San Marino spoke very good English, (laughs) so it doesn't really make an awful lot of sense, although there are notes written in Italian down the side. Um, But Lincoln accepted the offer and is an honorary citizen, or was an honorary citizen of San Marino. How strange, what... Sicily wanted Abraham Lincoln to come and visit. Is this what was Sam, Sam, Sam Reno? Sorry, Sam No, no, they no, they had no intention of him ever coming to visit. They just wrote him a nice letter saying, uh saying, Congratulations on your republic. We're we're a republic too. Let's be let's allies. Let's be friends. Let's be friends. Let's, and uh and if we are friends, then you can be a citizen of our glorious little republic. And uh, Abraham Lincoln said it's very nice. Let's be friends on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um so that being said, despite its neutrality, San Marino has a long and illustrious military history, Tom. Following 600 years of neutrality, it sent a grand total of 10 troops to fight for the Italian side in World War One, <laughs> And uh, separately, a 10-person hospital unit which caused the Austro-Hungarian Empire to remove its ambassador and sever diplomatic relations with San Marino, but given the population is the size of a small market he town... He wasn't a very good ambassador, entirely- was he? It's entirely possible that the ambassador was just some bloke who ran a corner shop and stopped answering the phone. A work experience student. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm the ambassador, but only for two weeks before I go back to do my
2: GCSEs. Can I get you a cup of tea? Well, if you're asking for more pesto, I don't know. Okay, I don't know what the pesto situation is like at the moment. <laughs> but um, but being the Austro-Hungarian Empire, I can provide
0: you with all the borscht you can eat. And a lovely goulash. (laughs) Um, So uh, so that was World War I. In World War II, San Marino elected a fascist government. Uh, Much like Italy, San Marino followed and elected uh, elected a fascist government. But it did stay neutral. In fact, the government, despite being fascistic, harboured Jewish refugees and Italians feeing the front lines. With over 100,000 people eventually camping out on the mountains. Uh, the Allies tried very hard, were they, these fascists? <laughs> Fascist tryhards. Vaguely forgiving fascists. Uh, interracial marriage was banned, and interreligious That's more like marriage.
1: like it. Come on. There you go. Now you're talking. But at the same
0: time, they did refuse to deport any of the Jewish population. They just didn't let them marry San Marinese people. Apologist fascists. Splitters. Yeah. Fair, weather fasc- fair weather fascists. Fair,
1: exactly. They just want all the kudos of being fascists, don't they, without actually doing the dirty work?
0: Yeah, they just want the they just want the good looking uniforms and, the, and exactly and the goose stepping <laughs> soldiers. Yeah, they just
1: want all the fancy yeah. stuff, but don't actually want to do the hard jobs. Big speeches.
0: They don't want to do the hard graft. No, lazy. That's what it is. <laughs> lazy. Not like those Italian fascists. Very hard-working. <laughs> <laughs> Great work ethic. <laughs> or indeed. Those Italians. The, uh, see, the Allies actually violated the neutrality of San Marino first, and they bombed it in June 1943, killing 35 civilians after wrongly believing that Germany had invaded. Uh, San Marino responded that it hadn't been invaded, a claim it had to make several times in the war after people forgot it existed. <laughs> it had to uh, deny that it was at war several times after newspaper reports just... Claimed that it was, but the government was so small that it never bothered to ask anyone. I <laughs>
1: think <That's laughs> that was having a wank.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, precisely.
1: Oh, sorry,
2: I missed your call. <laughs> oh, a little bit exciting. <laughs> sorry, I just, uh, someone was at the door. i am watching some uh, Italian TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Bim Bam Beanabo. Some of my favourite. <laughs> Bim Bam Beanabo. The lunchtime news. <laughs> Bim Bam Beanabo. Bim Bam Beanabo. Bean, <laughs>
0: new fans of this podcast, and why wouldn't you be after this glorious episode? The <laughs> Bim Bam Bina Bo is the stereotypical, made-up Italian TV show that we refer to every time we talk about the fact that Italian TV is full of tits in the middle of the day, literally boobs out,
1: tits, tits and elderly um, men with, with, yeah, with dyed yeah. hair, dyed black hair.
0: Yes, uh, that could describe many things about Italian government <laughs> TV. <Yep. laughs> Clubbing riders of Vespers, so yeah, to to reiterate and uh, reinforce its neutrality and to prove to the world that it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to cow uh, to to the Axis powers. Uh, San Marino put on a hell of a show of force, Tom, by putting up some strongly worded signs at the border asking the Germans not to come in. Well, that's what I
1: was going to suggest. As a joke, I was going to suggest it's only a small place. No, Just put it's, up some
0: signs. No, that's what they did. Billboards. <laughs> they put some signs up on the road in saying. <laughs> Saying basically, Germans are not welcome.
2: Go away! (laughs) You're not welcome round here.
0: Germany responded shortly after this by actually invading. Uh, They invaded San Marino in September 1944 using uh, slightly hilariously. To
1: do in nineteen (laughs) forty-four.
0: Well, I think they were worried that the Allies would, you know, doubly violate the neutrality of San Marino, you know, much like the Germans had done with Belgium, and would just go marching on through it. uh, At the point where the front line was basically running through the country. so, so the Germans sent a reserve force of elderly soldiers up the hill um, who basically just hid in the town and troops of the British Indian Army were sent up the hill to clear them out, at which point they were joined, finally, by the San Marinese Army who mustered their full force of around 100 men. Right, to attack some cantankerous elderly Germans. You <laughs> kick the elderly Germans out. Get this though, Tom. Guess what the primary weapon of the San Marinese Army is? Still is today.
1: Uh.
0: I, I, I... Vibrator, the spade. <laughs> yeah, no crossbows, Tom. They're still armed with crossbows. Oh, yeah. Okay, I think that's quite well known, isn't it? The San Marino, the San Marinese crossbowmen. Yeah. Yes, they give. Uh, they still give demonstrations today. But their main fighting force, the presidential guard, not the presidential guard, but the kind of the parliamentary guard, have ancient rifles. But the main body of men still fight with crossbows. Ah. And they fought the Germans with crossbows. They used cross- they Well, I rounded them up.
2: Crossbows uh, <laughs>
0: with biscuits attached to the end. Oh, I, what? that's
2: a biscuit.
1: Why? I, I'm an elderly <laughs> German,
2: and all elderly people, we like biscuits. It is either we fight I or we have a biscuit. <laughs> I, 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 I really see what you did. The, biscuit. <laughs> the biscuits and some daytime TV is just what I yes. want right now.
0: <laughs> oh no, what are those soldiers hurling from the top of the city walls?
2: Just flasks of tea. Oh, that's how really nice of them. I think <laughs> yes. some versus originals. I do like versus originalists. <laughs> what else
0: do old people like to do? Oh yes, let's just sit in our panzer, <laughs> looking out at the rain,
2: eating fish and chips. <laughs> let's, let's sit in our panzers. Let's drive to a let's drive to a layby on a major A road and stop for a picnic. Unfortunately, <laughs> farting because we have lost most control of our bowels. <laughs> Our uh, hearing aids buzzing loudly. <laughs> <Zzz>. <laughs> what was that? I
0: don't know. Did you say something? I don't know. Did you say something? <laughs>
2: What's that? I don't know what you're talking about. What was Both that, <laughs>
0: <laughs> So, yes, the, the San Marinese army helped the British round up the Germans with their crossbows um, and, and kicked them out. Incidentally, actually, uh, this is one of the only times that fascists fought alongside the Allies. In World War Two, and the fascist government of San Marino actually lasted longer than the fascist government of Italy. So there you go. Um, and after the war, San Marino became the first democratically elected communist state in the world, ruling from 50- 1945 until oh, 1957. Man, you up.
1: Are you going to be fascist? If you're going to be fascist, do it properly. Or are you going to be
0: commies? If you're going to be commies, and if going you're going to going be commies, do
2: it properly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Why are you having elections? Why are you still holding free and fair elections? What kind of communist state is this? And I can see you're not queuing, getting a fucking queue. <laughs> Doesn't matter what for, just queue. Has a terrible Eastern European accent as well. <laughs> oh, are we certain no. We like pesto. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's with your eyebrows? Bushy. Come on.
0: <laughs> not perfectly Get trimmed. To work on it. Speaking of the government, very quickly before I uh, before I wrap up, uh, it's a very interesting government, San Marino's government, and unique. In the many unique things about this tiny little country, um, in that it's probably the only one in the world which is still based on the old Roman senatorial system of government. <laughs> The government hasn't changed its format, basically, since 300 AD. Um, It's also got the oldest constitution still in use, dating 1600. So the state elects 60 seats to the Grand General Council every five years, who in turn elect two captains regents from opposing parties to rule in unison for six months, copying the Roman consular system Mm. and thereby ensuring a balance of power. At the end of six months, and I quite like this to wrap up on, there is a three-day window for citizens to sue the captains... (laughs) Based on their performance. Nice. So if you do a bad job, the citizens can <laughs> sue you. <laughs> and you and captains have been fined and jailed before for poor performance. Not a good show. And isn't that a lesson we hey, can all take Captain home? Captain Cameroonier hey,
1: <laughs> you you decided to take us into a referendum, and then the moment the result came out, you did not like it. You fuck off.
0: <laughs> yes. We sue you. <laughs> It's a very Italian, I say as a San Marinese, proud of San Marinese. It's a very Italian thing to do, to get into a big heap of trouble and then fuck off. Walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and then a swan back in three years later, claiming you are some kind of a hero. <laughs> and you have all of the answers. Tony Blair, listen up. <laughs> So uh, so there we go Tom that is San Marino a real and genuine country dating back to the 3rd century armed with 10th century weapons a 17th century constitution a famous 19th century presidential citizen and as many matches as they could possibly use mm very nice so there you go a bit bitty not really a story this week but it's a very interesting country and that
1: might explain why they well no because they didn't win archery did they at the Olympics they didn't get medals for archery no they won
0: shooting ironically with guns yeah maybe
1: it's because the guns they use at the Olympics are the same old guns they use in San Marino
0: possibly Mm. I suspect I suspect not I don't think they use flintlock muskets oh is that what they're still
1: using in San Marino is it (laughs)
0: <laughs> close on it yeah kind of na- Napoleonic era rifles pouring the, the gunpowder in yeah fair enough <laughs> there you go that is Sam Marino oh, I do like
1: the mountain name as well Tight. is it Titan? My, Mount Titan Mount Titan yeah Titan. I mean that's a strong name for a mountain isn't it yeah, it is a strong
0: name for a mountain yeah very good Should we think of a topic for next week one for the patrons and one for the public.
1: Um, what have I got on my list? I've got. Oh, I kind of did hobos this well,
0: week. Well, no, well, well whoa. whoa. You got to think of think of one yourself for the uh, for the patrons, and then we can pick one off the list for the public.
1: Uh, think of one ourselves for the patrons. Okay, how about the sea? Have we done the sea before? Just thinking about Sam Saint Saint Marinus and his guild. I
0: think we have done the sea. I think we have. Um, showbiz. Showbiz.
1: I think we. I think we may have done showbiz. Fuck it. Let's do it again. Show business,
0: like no business. Showbiz. And then what's on the list for? What's on the list for the
1: public? Uh, Renaissance, uh, oboes, patois, primitive medicine. Uh, so what was the second? Internet. One? How about Home. internet? Is that going to be? T- oboes. It's going to be quite recent, though, isn't it? When was the internet invented? Mid, early 80s, wasn't it? Late 70s. Yeah. Uh,
0: yes. But you could go back to earlier forms of communication, but why not? Let's go modern. Let's go let's do the oh, internet. Okay,
1: wow, okay. Internet it
0: is. The internet for the public in 2 weeks time. The history of the internet. Marvelous. Well, audience, thank you so much for for mm-hmm. joining us this week. We hope you like this uh, this episode. It's good to be back. Chaotic as we warned, but good to be back. And uh, if you'd like to hear the previous patron exclusive episode all about speeches, or speech impediments or you'd like to hear the next Patreon exclusive episode all about show business then you can join us at patreon.com/that was genius otherwise we'll see you in 2 weeks time say goodbye tom goodbye bye bye